Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you gotta know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the Dew. Are you passionate about your professional future but not sure what's next? The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business can take your education and career to the next level with its highly ranked Working Professional MBA. With flexibility to earn a degree entirely on campus, online, or a mix of both, an MBA from Ohio State is more accessible than ever. To get started, visit go.osu.edu slash WPMBA. The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, where principled leaders are created. And with me today, drum roll, Half rides again. Michael Halpern is the guest on today's show. He is joining me on the podcast. I am overjoyed, as are all of you, because I haven't even told the crabs this. The only person that knows this podcast is being recorded is you, I, Gray, and, and Eddie, because he helps me out with the editing on, uh, on the pod. So those are the only four people that know that this has been recorded. I am overjoyed i'm excited just to talk to my old friend i'm gonna you know yeah what's going on man how are you i'm living good i'm living the good life um i feel like it's weird to be on the other end usually you know i would kind of host so i feel like the dynamic maybe the dynamics off maybe this won't be uh maybe this will be a weird one i don't know no it it, the dynamic's not going to be off you know (laughs) whether whether we're pitching or catching it doesn't matter it's still health (laughs) we're still like you know, we're, we're hand in glove. We're hand in glove. Simpatico, as they might say. Um, what do you say? Want to jump think, into some quick news? Well, do you think that, uh, you know, you guys have probably built a new fan base up over the last year? You think people are like, where the hell's Lance? Who the, who the hell's this health guy? No, I think there's continuity in our fan base, you know. Um, okay. I think, and, and if not, if there's any newbies, this is the, ori- the original tandem. Um, yeah, I would I would expect that people, people, you know, they want this, man. They want the reunion. It's it's the reunion tour. Let's just hope David Lee Roth sings a little better in this version. <laughs> Somehow we became Van Halen. The band's back together. The band rides again. Half rides once more. One um, more time. One more song. time. Exactly. All right. Let's get into some news, man. I feel like this is fun because it's a lot of pl- – we haven't, we haven't done this in a year, right? You know, over a year. We haven't spoke about any of these players. So there's a lot of progression are we going to make up the whole year? Hype. Are we going to talk about everything we missed this whole this we, We're going to talk about <laughs> everything that we missed. Um, we should just we should just depend, essentially like we could we could do 
the time that we've been apart just in Nick Senzel injuries. Like oh, when man. he first left, yeah. it was vertigo. And then it was this, and then it was that. Now it's the ankle injury. So it's like BCAD, you know, we can kind of, uh, <laughs> we can tell time by, by Nick Senzel's uh, ailing, ailing body. Oh, well, maybe if Senzel was still in Major League camp, like Tatis and some of these teams that are going for it, maybe that wouldn't be an issue. But, you know, you can get hurt anywhere. I'm not going to blame it on that. But still. Yeah, it, it's just a, it's, it's <laughs> for a guy who's had a, like a Brendan Roy type unlucky career. I mean, that's he's 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 approaching if there's another injury or there's like damage tissue damage or something at some point. Um, or the vertigo comes back. I think I think we're going to be talking about uh, a player like that, and it stinks because I'm still I'm not off the bandwagon. I'm still on Senzel. I still think he's going to come back. He'll get healthy. He's done it before. He's going to hit. Um, you know, he's a great athlete, and he's a great baseball player. Like you know, he's he's he has you know the, sort of the the leadership mentality. He has that intuition on the field, um, and he just knows what he has to do, and that's why he can you know, transition from, you know, a shortstop at Tennessee to a third baseman, to second base, now to the outfield. And he can do it in a way that very few players can um, and really potentially be a strong defender, probably everywhere but short. And that's why he moved off the position. But, I, I, you know, I don't have any problem saying he's probably a plus defender at, at third base long term, second base, certainly. Um, and, you know, it remains to be seen with center field. But He's the best guy in camp that wasn't named Jose Siri. And we know that the difference in, in hit tool between Siri and Senzel is about, I don't know, 30 to 40 points on the 28 scale. So <laughs> there's a big difference there. But so what, what are your thoughts on Senzel? How do, you, how do you approach him going forward if you own him in redraft, you cut and bait? Um, because he's not going to be DL eligible. You know, well, it definitely seems like they're sticking with him in center. I don't think they had an opportunity to bring him back to second base with the uh, scooter injury. So it seems like they're staying with him in center. They're not looking to bring him back in the infield. You know, I don't know if it's a good move or bad move. I guess if you're trying to learn a new position, you don't want to start messing with guys. As for the injury, it doesn't seem like any of his injuries are like a major long-term concern. Maybe the vertigo is something that's kind of mysterious. You don't know if it's going to pop up. So I think you just got to work through these injuries. It's something you hope that, will pass. They all kind of seem to be things he can get over. He'll get over this one. Sprain right ankles, not uh, a death knell or anything. Redraft league is interesting. It's just a question of how long you want to wait, how many bench spots you have. I think it's too hard to give one universal answer. Dynasty, nothing changes. You just yeah. you just hope that you just wish that Senzel maybe played for the Padres, who are now seem to be <laughs> you know that team. They're the hot team, man. And you know what? I will give you credit. That when we were doing our podcast, you were the number one Padre Preller stand going. Preller gang, 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 Preller gang. Or your boy Rotoware now. Our boy Rotoware, he he had that shirt that blew up. I don't know if you guys know, but he did this shirt that uh this in Preller We Trust shirt that was hanging up in I don't know if you've ever mentioned this on any of the podcasts, it was hanging up in all the lockers of the players when they walked in, uh, uh, the Padres locker room. And yeah. I just saw on Twitter every Padres fan wanted a shirt. So Padres are blowing up. You were on it. You were on. It. I was skeptical of some of the trades he made. You know, uh, trading away some young talent, but he had a plan. And shit, I respect anyone bringing all twenty-five, their best twenty-five. Although I feel, I feel maybe I'd be 
I'd be a little more evil if I was working for a team. <laughs> uh, I think I would hold guys down just for a few weeks to get that extra year of service time. That's just how the system works. But as a fan, I love it. I don't know. Am I am I a bad person? No, I don't. I don't know. I mean, because obviously a lot of smart teams have done that. It's a way to manipulate the system. But I sort of wonder if there's sort of some equity on the back end when you do right by the player, you do right by the fans, and really you do the, your best job to sort of um, create a, a, a winning environment. I know we had a conversation, because, you know, off air or whatever on, on my way home from work just because I wanted we to talk chat. For an, we talked for an hour before this. We talked for an hour up here right now about everything, you know. About uh, life. It was actually mostly yeah, about beats, life. Beats baseball and life, you know. Yeah, it's exactly. kind of what the, the, the topic was. We actually did talk about it, how that's, bad. That's actually the name of our new podcast. <laughs> the name of the new podcast. We're going to talk about hip hop every so often too. Um, but I wonder if there's some equity, you know, with the player there as well. As you do right by the player with Tatis, you know, is there a potential for an extension? And we'll talk about the Eloy thing and sort of, the, you know, I think some of the, the the potential blowback from that, not in a bad way, but I think you know what some of the repercussions of what's going on and where things are trending is yeah. it's such a narrative of like suppressing service time. It's so hated by everyone. It's hated by the fans. We know about the, the lack of minor league play uh, pay, excuse me, uh, on a grand scale. And I think, you know, Emily Walden, my friend has done an awesome job of, you know, really bringing attention to that. And there's been some small victories, obviously with the news uh, with the blue Jays. But I think that these guys are just so beaten down to a degree. And I know we're seeing this about millionaire athletes. So it's half the crowd's going to, tune out but i think we have to they're people so put your head you know put yourself into their mentality they want to they want to earn they want to make money that happens when they start to get major league game checks they start to sleep in better hotel rooms they get better food they get better women etc etc so uh, i think i'm serious that i think that i don't think these guys will forget that and i think there's more of an opportunity for them to bring that to the negotiating table and get these guys under controllable deals. Here's something else that the Padres did in the background. Beyond scouting uh, uh, um, complex ball, which is how they identified Tatis, it's how they identified Paddock at a, at a very early uh, point. It's how, um, you know, they, uh, who's, who's the other guy? Oh, uh, Astori Ruiz. It's how they ended up stealing Astori Ruiz from the Royals. I think probably the same thing with Matt Strom, though he's not complex ball. They scouted better than everybody else. And I think it's this outside the box sort of thinking and trying to work and game the system in a way that's cost-effective, um, but also, um, it, you know, exploitive of weak, weaknesses of other teams. There's a lot of teams that don't scout complex balls. So what Preller essentially did was he traded for assets. He tried to get a winner. It didn't work with this sort of, you know, get good quick thing in that division. He traded away those pieces. He got back really good pieces. He uses some of those prospects to trade for better prospects. And all of a sudden, he just, it was like an arms race with him and the Braves. And he just accumulated just so many players. Well, in the background, uh, the other thing that Preller did, and Eno Saris did an excellent job of writing about this in the uh, Athletic a few months ago, he took on a ton of dead money contracts. And what that did is with the new ownership in San Diego, it allowed them to, um, be able to figure out how to operate as a franchise and as a business at a certain expenditure on players. And all of this dead money is slowly coming off the books, some this year and a ton of it, like 50 million next year or something. So it's one of the reasons they were able to absorb the hit on Hosmer and essentially spend money early 
a year on Manny because they took off maybe like 15 million this year and then they have enough to get his, his, his deal. So there's an opportunity for the Padres next year to now go into free agency and sign multiple players to potentially fill out the rotation or take on a player in a trade with some of the assets that they've acquired and just don't have room for because all these prospects are eventually going to get blocked because when you have 50 guys deep, that's what happens. They're now going to be able to take these players and potentially acquire guys and then negotiate an extension with a starter like Noah Syndergaard or Kluber. And that's why they were in on all these guys is because of some of the business stuff that Perla did in the background. That's even beyond what he did in the Rule 5 draft where he tried to go in there and acquire some players. It didn't work out. The only guy that he got out of there was Louis Perdomo that gave him any real major league time. And he obviously was recently, you know, DFA'd or demoted. So uh, he might be out of the organization. At this point, I don't think they obviously need him. Um, And then sort of my last point here is what he did in the international market the year before the new CBA and the rules changed. And he went out and he balled out. He spent more money in the international market than anybody else had. And that was at a point before he started taking on dead money. So once again, that was all part of the plan to sort of get the ownership at a certain spending level. Because he spent something like $75 million or something stupid. I'd have to go back and see what the number was um, in the international market that last year when contracts were on cap. So when you look back, this is an ingenious build. Whether it comes to fruition and they win a World Series or not, He's acquired a superstar talent. He's acquired sort of a, a grizzled um, clubhouse leader in, in Hosmer. If you want to say he overpaid, fine. I'll agree with you there. And now he has all these guys that he either acquired in trades or drafted, and he's got this awesome core of players coming up. And they've done a, done a good job of developing all these players once they've gotten into the organization and actually making them better. So um, even beyond what I probably thought at the time, I, I think looking back, there was even stuff that was flying under the radar that Perler was doing that was really just Belichickian, Belichickian. That's Belichick type stuff. And I'm a Patriots fan. I don't say that much. Just a couple thoughts based off what you said. One, it does seem like they're a Bauer trade is possible, a Kluber trade. They're going for it. I have to think they're in the driver's seat for that. Also, how how insane is it that in 2019, scouting complex ball, scouting these really super young guys, the very, you know, the very youngest guys, is still a way to get advan- an advantage. I don't, like, why hasn't every team have scouts there? Scouts make like $10 a year. They pay scouts nothing. People are lined up to do it. How could there not be, how could every team not know these players inside out? Sometimes I think... Us amateur uh, prospect guys, we know more about these prospects than the teams. And I guess we do because you see they're signing the writers. A lot of them are the uh, the ones who code and stuff like that. But they're they're signing them right off the, right off the internet. So I think well, in a way the, we are kind of ahead of them. And the last well, no. point. Yeah, go John, Esher, John Eshelman from 2080 is was a prospect writer. That was one of my contemporaries that we had on the show last year several times. Just got hired by the Marlins. Chris Kusiolik, we had spoke with, um, didn't write as much, but he put his stuff essentially on Twitter. That's how he got noticed. He got hired. He he scouts complex ball actually for the Padres. Um, and there's a ton of other guys. And I think it's kind of funny because there's people who would do this part-time just to get a little bit more money than they get writing. That's what who, I mean. It seems if like you got them in the game and just had them write reports, people like me could pump out reports. I'm not saying I want to get hired by a team. I really don't. I kind of like what I'm doing. But at the same time, like, you know, dude, they gave me $20,000 a year versus what I was making. And they were like, hey, go to every Cape Cod League game. I'd be like, all right. 
I mean, so you're do right. I just not care that much? I mean, I guess I don't know. It seems it seems weird to me that that's still an advantage that could be exploited, but it is. And the last the last comment I wanted to make off something you said was, uh, I I'm more activist wise about the minor leaguers who aren't going to be not the top guys, the guys who are lifers who they pay oh, yeah. nothing, they treat like dirt. Uh, I'm I'm more for them that you have to be getting paid a living wage. It's not right, and it's really slum conditions. They eat the worst food. Maybe they get the the, the ugliest girls, like you said. I don't know, but but still, it's you you have to pay them a living wage. That is something that you know it's not right how they treat them, and they're they're kind of exploiting their dream of being a major league baseball player. So uh, I'm all for that, and it is interesting. I know. Uh, Emily's article blew up. I don't know, you know, Michael Lewis, the guy who wrote Moneyball? Yeah. He he actually had an idea that he was going to, he traveled with a minor league team. He did, with the intent yeah. to write this story. You know, obviously, he traveled with the team. I don't know if it was the whole year. I forgot the exact story. But he ended up traveling with the team and said there wasn't really a story there. He decided there wasn't anything there. But I feel like maybe maybe he missed something. Maybe there was something bigger that he could have done that Emily maybe uh, was capitalizing well, on now. Maybe maybe you become like uh, if he wrote that book and really like it was like a dating, um, you know, <laughs> editorial on minor league conditions and you know baseball and and everything else. Maybe he doesn't you know get his access and and you know all of a sudden turns into a very different figure than than who he is. So right. um, you know he wants to stay on the the cutting edge, but he doesn't necessarily want to. Uh, stir up any trouble, stir up, stir the pot. I think what, one other thing is you look at a guy like Ronald Acuna who signed for like $30,000 out of Venezuela. Well, Ronald Acuna wasn't making any money until he really got up to the major leagues. I mean, Ronald Acuna wasn't, wasn't getting paid anything it's a at joke. all because he didn't really have a bonus. And there's a lot of guys like that that are – and that's really my concern. These guys that get brought here through these camps – we're getting real political on this, and it's not even political. It's just true. It's It's – some of these handlers, these trainers in the Dominican Republic and Venezuela are straight up thugs and major league teams knowingly deal with them and they, they know how broken the system is. And, and not all of them are. There's probably some good trainers, some good handlers out there as well. But we hear some of the stories. We know some of the, the, the indictments and things that have come down uh, with some of these organizations in, in these countries. And they deal with all that. They're essentially stoled off. To major league teams and the guys that don't get huge bonuses now especially now that it's capped um they're not they're not getting you know huge money some of these a lot of these guys are signing for you know thirty thousand dollars maybe a little bit more and i guess the question is like with some of those guys is how much are the trainers getting too like how much are the agents getting how much are the trainers getting and how much do they actually pocket and there's 16 17 year old kids that are then sort of up younger, and, and, younger. Third, they started. You know, they they get their clothes. Well, what I'm once they sign, once they sign, they come over. Right. Um, okay. and, and they're living in dormitories, you know, in Florida or Arizona, next to the complex, and just playing baseball next to nothing, getting you know some food and et cetera, et cetera. It's it's crazy when you think some of the stuff that these guys go through, especially some of the the smaller bonus guys. And um, the one I guess, thing you I will know, go probably get better because they have nothing to do with baseball. But come on, you could you could. You can make it a little better than it is. The one thing I will go back in is I feel like these guys are doing fine in, in the picking up girls department. I, I, I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. I'm just talking about like time. Right. I don't, I don't think they're struggling. I don't think they're going. Well, but sure, but I'm talking about like 
talking about major leagues, dude. The major yeah, leagues. Okay, it's a, it's another world. We don't we don't understand this. People like us, nor no, us normies. No. We don't know what that's like. Anyway, so uh, kind of jumping, I guess, back into sort of the same story. What are your thoughts on the Eloy thing? I, you know, like I said, I think this is great for the player. I think it's good for the team. Um, maybe he gives up some money. It's probably best for the agent out of everybody, to be honest with you. But I think he must be out making money, man. Why, why let it, you know, he gets, it, it's a little more front loaded. He's going to get another contract. He's still going to get to max out his contract. And maybe he makes a little bit less in the back end than what he, than he, what he would have made in arbitration. I'm sure he'll probably hold out and ask for another extension and they'll throw away the last two years and, you know, <laughs> go on your merry way. So exactly. I think it's good for, I think it's good for all parties. I think it's a win, win, win. Yeah, and I think it's great for the fans because you know he's playing. You know there's no games. The, the service manipulation games are nuts. Just from a fan's perspective, it's like play the best players, figure it out. So uh, I'm happy for that. And also the arbitration hearings can get ugly. I, I remember you know Jeter ended up with a with a riff with the team, Batansis, because your own team is bringing up all these negatives. And you're like, you're sitting in there hearing them rip on you and you have to defend them. So it's an ugly system that shouldn't, it really shouldn't be a part of it somehow. I, you know, I don't know how they would change the rules. I know it seems so embedded, but yeah. so yeah, I'm happy that these guys are signing extensions and uh, who knows, is it maximizing their total dollar potential over, over those years? Probably not, but overall, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. So, Hey, we're going to play a little game, man. I don't think we have to talk about Urias. Uh, Louis Urias was actually sent down, but he's struggling, man. He's got some injuries, so I'm sure he he'll wasn't going to peak up. until later in his career anyway. He's, yeah, you think know. so? Yeah, I, I mean, know, we'll he, see, he'll have good contact. Happens. He's one of these guys that he'll he'll contribute when he's young, but I think he'll hit his stride in his mid 20s when that manpower comes. That's the way I see the him. Man right muscles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with you. So the rest of the show, we're going to do kind of a fun exercise. I guess it's sort of Players we feel that could could break out this year, guys that are going to sort of jump up into the sort of the general consciousness of dynasty baseball, even the shallowest of leagues. Players that I guess we're kind of hot on. So it's uh, it's uh, it's our crushes, our our prospect crushes for uh, 2019. So help, you want to have the honors of uh, kicking it off here with the first guy? All right, I guess I'll start with Daz Cameron, who hit a monster grand slam on Sunday. I just wrote my uh, 10 bold prediction articles, which I hate bold predictions, but I wrote it anyway because <laughs> like always I tweeted, do. I'm weak. So, uh, yeah, I, I see him getting crazy underrated from the beginning. Just the fact that he has under 40% ground ball rate for the last two years means a power outbreak is basically inevitable once he got older, once he got stronger. The comp is as easy as it comes just to his father. And hmm. plus defense, uh, path to playing time, the only risk is, you know, he's still not great on breaking balls, and the no. average might, you know, hover in that 250 range if you're lucky. The risk is it could go lower than that. But overall, power-speed combo, I see him as making I, – I, my bold prediction was he was going to have a Ramon Laureano like August and September. So, you know, who knows if that happens. I don't know if they call him up. It's That's kind of what the bold prediction game is. But I'm loving him, and I seem to be high on him. So, yeah, he's my he's my top dot. He's my top guy right now. Yeah, he was one of the more impressive athletes that I saw last season. Um, just like he, it's one of those things like when a guy like that's on a baseball field, he just sticks out. Like yeah. he runs so much better than everyone. Just like, you know, the way his body is made up, 
Um, I mean, he, seriously, he moves like a gazelle in center field. He just got to everything. He was one of the best defensive center fielders I've, I've seen in the last couple of years. Um, just very strong. Yeah, I think he's more of a line drive swing at this point. Um, but maybe they can drop his hands and make some adjustments. He's a good enough athlete. Uh, he's got the pedigree to do so. But see, I think he's coming to fruition. I do think you're right in terms of the breaking ball recognition, but really just like on the plate coverage. Um, you know, he can he can hammer stuff on the inside part of the plate. You know, you, you can't jam a fastball to him. Um, but, yeah, breaking stuff on the outside definitely ate him up a little bit. New Hampshire's pitching staff where I saw like three games where I caught a series um, with Erie last year wasn't great. So um, the starters that I ever seen, Reed Foley was already gone. So there weren't really any true like major league guys. Um, so, you know, I don't know how much of a good, how much of a barometer ultimately that was, but I thought he was pretty impressive. I mean, I think he's for fantasy. He's still like a back end just outside the top 100 guy for me. Um, there's a lot of Jackie Bradley Jr. in him, which I don't think is a bad thing or a good thing, but I think he's that kind of a player where he might be frustrating offensively. He's going to have moments of brilliance. He's going to have, he's going to be kind of streaky. Um, and there's always going to be upside that you see just because of the kind of athlete he is. And he's a phenomenal defender um, and he runs well and moves well. So yeah, I know. I like, I like Daz. It's a good pick. Good pick. All right. I'm going to jump into my guy. Um, I went young on this one, but I think that this guy is going to be a potential superstar um, he's a great follow on Twitter because I always I, that always matters with my prospect rankings, doesn't at all. But this guy, honestly, you need to follow him on Twitter. That's Julio Rodriguez. Um, big signing out of the 2017 uh, international class for the Seattle Mariners. He was fifth on our Seattle list. That was a, uh, a joint project of Eddie, myself, and a few other writers. I think Lance jumped in there as well. Um, I don't know. I think I would probably have Rodriguez myself up at like, if I made the list myself, probably at like three, maybe even two. I, I think there's a, there's a conversation that could be had that he could potentially be better than, than Jared Kelnick, just in terms of what his upside is. Big power bat, beautiful swing, good approach. Um, and, he, and he seems like from everything you read and you hear folks that are around the team that were around camp this year and around him is you know, he wants to be a leader. He wants to be a superstar. He wants to be a great player. And, you know, so far, so good. I mean, the production was great. He was in the DSL last year, slash, three, eh, slash 315, 404, 525, five dongs. Uh, that's a 210 ISO, 161 WRC plus. And he did it with, you know, very good approach. 15% K rate, um, uh, near 12% walk rate, stole about 10 bases. I think the speed will temper down a little bit, but he's long, he's lean, he's strong, sort of a perfect ball player body. Um, I think this guy's a potential superstar in the making. Um, he was 82nd on our fantasy list. I could see him top 50 by the end of the season, especially if uh, he ends up coming here and touches a full season level for a month or two and hits. I think it's possible there was talk that they would start him in full season ball. And I think yeah, I mean, he's killing it this be. spring. He's four he for is. seven. You know, you know, Seattle loves him, but I don't know. I, you know, I can't guess at where they're going to start him. But I, I yeah, it's a messy more. game. Yeah, I mean, that's the toughest part is guessing when. You know, obviously, when guys are going to debut in the majors. You see, with Tatis, he comes up immediately. Other guys, the service time. So it's just trying to get into the head of the decision makers, which is tough. But I love Rodriguez too. I, I didn't have him ranked as high as you. I had him ranked actually with another guy I love, Brennan Davis. I had him, I had them both right around 200, but yeah, it's like the ranking doesn't do the, his upside justice. I definitely mm. get being completely high on him 
And uh, yeah, he's a smart. He's not that fast, but he's a smart base runner. I think he's going to yeah. be able to steal some bases, even yeah. though his his speed isn't necessarily plus speed. Yeah, you know, I think he's a more athletic sort of uh, Eloy player. He's a he's a middle of the order bat. That's that's what I'm looking for there. I don't care so much about the base stealing. I know it's out of order, but you had mentioned him. So why don't you talk a little bit about Brandon Davis? I know that you know our our own uh, Jason Panini's been out in camps out in Arizona, out in the backfields, and he did a swing comparison on Davis. Man, oh my God, I I love this kid. Great athlete. Oh, I'll, I'll kick it over to you. Yeah, yeah. Even before even before that, just coming out of the draft, I. Yeah. If any of you guys know and listen to me, I love these. He, usually it's a football and a baseball player, but I yeah. love the two-sport athletes. I love the bloodlines. Reggie Theus is his dad. So you have that just from a basketball background, and I buy that. I always buy that. I don't even wait to see the the weight gain and the swing change. I just assume – I just buy into that's going to happen. Then obviously, JP, awesome work, was watching swings overlaid – from the perfect game. I don't know if that was JP. It might have been from his perfect game swing to what he is, what he was looking at in instructional league. And the transformation came immediately. I mean, bang. So I love these guys like uh, Taylor Trammell. I was really high on. And you know what? He wasn't, he was, he was billed as, as being raw. He had a 12 to 10 strikeout to walk rate in 18 games. So it shows that he's not that raw. And I, the the guys that are billed as being raw and they come in and they're not that Mm -hmm. raw, even better. So, Ask. I have him, like I said, right next to uh, Julio Rodriguez. I feel like both of them have that big power upside. But, yeah, what do you got on Brennan? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. And I think it's it's one of these things where with guys like Trammell or guys you know like Davis where they're such you know, supreme athletes that their ability to transition and, and ultimately sort of turn it into muscle memory and – easily be like i gotta get more into my back leg i mean like when you see how much more davis this 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 season is getting into his back leg and he's really driving the ball with more power there's more loft in his bat his hands move more fluently and in line you know with his shoulders his chest belt buckle whole nine i mean it's the bat stays in the zone longer this is a guy that and it's the same thing with tramel i think it's gonna be i think it's the same with with jordan adams is they're such good athletes that making those tweaks, they take, you know, they, as long as they're healthy, they're going to perform. And these guys are trained way differently than they even were five, six, seven, eight years ago that I think now when we get these hyper athletes and we get them, you know, out of, out of the prep ranks, cause that's where you're going to sign them in baseball. Cause you know, offer them money where they're not going to get paid in college for football or basketball, or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. And they really blossom and turn into some great players because there's so many more, um, uh, you know, facilities, measurements, pools, everything available to these guys, even probably since we first started doing the show. I mean, there's just been this explosion in terms of baseball technology and understanding, I feel like, of scouting um, at, you know, a very sort of, you know, dialed in level. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's like nano scouting at this point, but I love Davis, man. I I think it was a great pick. Um, I'm going to kick it over to another guy, uh, another young guy that's uh, kind of been out in the complex in Arizona, had an unfortunate injury last season, but that is George Valera. He was one of the top signings in the 2017 class uh, with Wanda Franco. And I actually had him ranked ahead of Franco heading into short season ball and uh, that one really blew up in my face. I still have him incredibly high. I have him 53 in the list. I love this kid's swing. Um, he is originally from New York City. I don't know if you know the whole background story with him. 
Uh, his father was you know, actually hit by a car in New York. It's a traumatic injury. Uh, they went back to the Dominican Republic. He spent, I think, from 13 to 17 there and just really blossomed, developed into a ball player, I guess, because of this tragic thing. But he speaks English well. Um, you know, there's no issues with the transition over here. And he's a great player. He would have been an easy first round, maybe top 15 sort of pick um, if he was coming out of high school this year. So I, I, I love Valera. We missed a little bit of him. I think he probably would have been a bigger deal had it not been for the injury. But um, he's just one of those guys that like, you know, there's just swings that when you watch it, you could watch this guy hit baseballs for an hour and a half straight. Like you just watch his BP and enjoy the hell out of it. And uh, Valera is one of those guys. And I know, uh, you know, the Welsh, I don't know if you follow him, but uh, he's out there in Arizona. He actually has some somewhat of a friendship with Valera. He's done some interviews with him. Um, and he's a smart kid, good kid. And uh, he doesn't seem phased at all. I mean, and uh, he really is fun to talk hitting with because he really understands baseball and hitting, uh, you know, at sort of like a granular level. So I, I, I'm, I'm huge on Valera. I can't wait to watch him this year. Yeah, no, that type of mindset stuff does does matter to me, you know, positively, if obviously they have a strong mindset. So that is good to hear. I'm I'm all in on Valera, too. I had him ranked 59th. The swing is a dead ringer for Cano. I mean, there was a one gif that showed their swings yeah, back to back. And it is like just talking about how you love to watch him hit. And he's one of these guys you could watch hit all day. It is so true. I remember when Cano was coming up, when he wasn't even that hyped of a prospect. And basically, every Yankee announcer, everybody who talked about him was like, this is a future batting champ. You just knew. You just It was so silky smooth where you're just like, yeah. that swing is a future batting champ. It's the same thing with Valera. I, the hands, could, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be the hands. <laughs> oh, it's got to be the hands, you said? It's the hands, baby. Got to love All those right. hands. Yeah, it's those quick, fluid hands. It's guys that are able to get in compact. It's the hips. It's the hips, too. Well, it's, it's the that hips hip too. turn. It's, hip it's too, just I think, I think the thump and everything else. It's Yeah, it's everything in line, obviously, together. It's it's the shoulders, yeah. it's the hips, it's the hands. But um, that ability to sort of turn on something that quick. Is nuts. Uh, and that's smooth. smooth and do, yeah, and do it in a smooth way. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so compact. I mean, it's it's nuts how the kid's got insane hands. But who's your next guy, Hal? All right, my next guy, I'm going Jeter Downs. First off, I think L.A. is a much smarter organization than Cincinnati, and they basically stole him. They also got Shaziah Gray in that deal yep. as well. Just, I mean, I appreciate how smart of an organization L.A. is. Either way, he's got a short, quick swing. He's got fly ball rates that are like 50%, which, again, it's another, you know, obviously it's a little high maybe for average-wise. It maybe should come down a little bit considering his speed. But either way, it just says – the power is going to be there. When you have that batted ball distribution, it's going to be there. Strikeout rates, we're hovering around 20. Walk rates around 10. Not a burner, but smart base runner. Puts up big numbers. Another guy, I think, underrated. Again, most of these guys, not all of them, but Cameron and Downs for sure, I feel like were guys I was a little higher on, and I'm feeling Downs. Maybe the, the you know, L.A. has got so many guys were playing time. I feel like it's never easy over there. But still, I'm I'm loving downs. I'm looking. The tools aren't extreme. It's not a guy you're gonna watch and he's gonna like blow you away when he gets off the ball, so to speak. But the baseball skills and the mod where the modern game is, I don't know. I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing a fantasy. I'm seeing power, speed, good field hit. I'm seeing a five tool every category guy. I don't know. I'm liking him. Yeah, he's an average runner, but he's an intuitive base runner. So he he can steal yeah. some bases. We'll see how that 
that works, uh, you know, as he moves up. He's a lot like Louis Urias in some senses. I think the hit tool isn't necessarily as good, um, but, you know, he's, you know, I, I would say maybe a little bit more athletic, but I'm not even so sure on that. Um, but he's a great plate. He's got great plate approach. Uh, he's a little inconsistent now with his swings, but I, but I feel like his good swings are great. He's got some loft in the bat already. Um, but he is prone to some lazy takes from from time to time. Um, he's, he's, not only great... 19. he's only 19. Yeah, and he's only 19. And I think the fact the Dodgers are getting a hold of him and it's not the Reds, that's a great move. Um, yeah, I, talked yeah, to, I talked to Josiah Gray, actually. I don't know if you realize that. We had a show with with uh, Andy that never got released. But um, right, we spoke with Josiah Gray about a week after he was traded to the Dodgers. And uh, it was I his birthday when he, got the, when he was traded. It was his birthday. He's in the car with his girlfriend. And uh, they were going out to dinner at like five, six o'clock at night. He gets the call from, I think it was Jockety, whoever it was. And, and he's like, just, he figures he's getting like a, a happy birthday call. And he's like, oh, that's cool. He picks it up. And he's like, he told me I was traded to LA. And he's like, dude, I had to like, I had to like contain my excitement. He's like, I, I couldn't, he's like, I had to be, I was like, I had to be polite. I had to be professional. He's like, but that's man. He's like, man, I was so excited. He's like, you know what those guys do with pitchers? Do you know what the Dodgers do with pitchers? So, you know, the type of stuff we're going to be working on. He was actually, when we interviewed him, he was uh, uh, at a uh, training facility in New York that he works at in the offseason. Because I think he's from New Rochelle is where uh, he hails from. But, yeah, I uh, I like Giordano's pick. Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you got to know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the do. Good good player, and uh, I would definitely agree with you. I'm going to go back with an oldie but goodie, and I think a guy that potentially has gotten uh, a little bit forgotten. I wrote my Planting the Flags article on a couple weeks ago. Not Chris Paddock. It would be Michael Chavez of uh, the Boston Red Sox. I, I ranked him number one in the system um, in our Red Sox top 30. And I still would, again, even though I love Darwin Zahn Hernandez, still not number one for me. I do like Bobby Dahlback, but I feel that Javis is the best hitter of the bunch. Uh, there's power there. There's contact. What I saw last year uh, in AAA and in AA, once he came back, he was the same guy. He was hitting with more authority. I think the approach is still there. Um, you know, he's not a guy that's going to win a batting title, but I also don't think he's going to be a 230 hitter. Um, I think he's a guy that can hit 260, 265, 270, somewhere around there, and pop 25, 30 home runs. Uh, he's got a lot of thump in that bat. It's still 70 raw, uh, and it translates to the game now. Um, you know, the PED concerns, I get it, but he came back and he hit, and he's going to be close to the majors. They've been working him out. They had him play a lot of second base in camp, and I think there's an opportunity because of how shallow that one position is for the Red Sox, and they don't have a lot of money. They're up against the luxury tax. They don't want to spend it and get themselves into any sort of long-term deal with any outside player because they have a lot of guys signed. They just extended sale. That starts in 2020 for a reason. Uh, they're going to have to try to re-sign Xander Bogars. They may have to make a decision on JVJ. There's Mookie Betts coming up the year after that. Benintendi, bada-bing, bada-boom. So – I think you have to look at it and say, this guy potentially has an opportunity, whether it's at second, uh, Devers gets hurt or struggles again, maybe in the field he struggles, but he's hitting. There's an issue at first base. He can move around in a lot of different positions, and he just so happens to play three of the positions where there's the biggest question marks, because there aren't a lot of question marks right now at catcher. There's no question marks at shortstop and absolutely none in the outfield. So, 
I feel like Chavez has an opportunity to potentially come up to the majors, hit in a good lineup, hit in a great park, and kind of have the pressure off and just ball. And um, I think he's a guy that could pop back into the top 100 uh, by midseason and maybe surpass that or even surpass his limits if uh, if things shake out the right way in Boston. But, uh, yeah, I'm not off him. I, I think it's kind of funny that everyone wrote him off, but there's a lot of guys that are in the top 100 that really aren't all that different from from Chavez. Yeah, I stayed on him. I, ha- I actually had him 66 overall. But after that, watching in my first spring rundown, I wrote it on my site, uh, imaginarybrickwall.com, for those that don't know. Also started my own solo podcast, Halps Dynasty Baseball Podcast. Get my plugs in there. But, no, Chavez's first home run this spring where he hit an opposite field homer on a line, like, you, you don't see it that often. You don't see someone hit a line drive the opposite way that just flies out of the ballpark. You know that that's just serious power that uh, is rare. So that's why I guess the – the suspension, maybe people thought maybe he would come back. He wouldn't be the same, but I don't know. I, he, he looks like that power is still there. The bat speed that made him a first-round pick is still there. So, yeah, I, I love Chavez as well. But, you know, not much I'm going to ding there. Like you said, the playing time is the only question, but you seem to think uh, there's going to be a spot. Yeah, I, I do actually think there was potential for a spot. They don't have a lot of depth at third base. Uh, they're ca- they're going to carry um, our uh, – our old boy there, uh, Sam Travis, as the backup first baseman, because how old is Pierce he now? Twenty six, twenty seven? Twenty five, actually. Um, See, he could still break out. Yeah, These days in baseball, I've watched a lot of them. I got to tell you, I, I think he's, I think he's just a solid like fringe major leaguer. There's some contact there, but not a ton. Yeah, I'm not, he's I'm not saying he's gonna break out. He was never the same after that that injury. Um, True. But you see a guy like Muncy. I mean, like these guys do come out of nowhere. But again, I'm saying he is well, nowhere. I'm with you. He's got a he's got a he's got to walk more to be Muncy though. That's the thing with 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 Travis is I would I would take Travis over him. I'd take Bobby Dahl back over him, who I think is going to end up being a Matt Chapman type of breakout player. Uh, I'm hoping he lo- looks great this year. I'm going to see a lot of Bobby D this year. So Bobby Dahl back. I can't wait to the uh, the Boston girls get a hold of him because uh, he's a looker. He's a looker, my man, Bobby D. But, hey, who's your number four guy? My number four guy is someone, if you know me, I've, I feel like I talk about him or write about him constantly, Bubba Thompson. Ever, ever since he was a wee lad, it's true. Ever, exactly. I was uh, – ever since the draft, Bubba Thompson, yeah, two, another two-sports star, guys I fall in love with all the time. I loved his swing. I saw more power coming. I know that he's continued to refine it, double-plus speed, plus athlete, falls right into my wheelhouse, literally checks every box of all my favorite guys that are always underrated coming into the draft and are underrated in first-year player drafts. I got him in our 30-team league. I got him with the 30th pick last year. So I I love that. I had him as a top-10 first-year player draft player. So I feel like I stole him. And, yeah, like like I said, if you know my work, you you could probably – know what who are gonna be my favorite guys coming out of the draft and who I think is gonna be underrated. So Thompson, I feel like I can't even talk keep talking about him. I've said so much about him, but uh yeah, I love him. I know you you're a Thompson fan as well. Yeah, man. I've really, really, really grown on me. Um I love him. He's a supreme athlete. Bet on the athletes, man, when you're going to yeah. scouting, uh you gotta bet on guys like that. And I think there's skills there. I like what Texas is doing. They've acquired a lot of good players over the last couple of years. They seem to be trying to rebuild that core. 
after uh, a really stacked farm system has kind of not panned out. Some of it was in trades with Hamels and some other things, but uh, ultimately I think we thought Texas would be in a better spot. A lot of that's Mazzara. Um, we thought he would be better than he is. So I'm excited to see what this next wave does. They've acquired a lot of pitching between Kraus and, and uh, uh, you know, obviously they still got Reagan's win, I was going to say, is an absolute dud. And even like guys like Taylor Hearn, I think Taylor Hearn's real good. I caught him last year with Erie, and he was impressive. He was one of the more impressive pitchers that I saw in the Eastern League. So uh, kudos to Texas. Yeah, you got to be uh, you got to be Left, on the- lefty mid nineties fastball. I mean, uh, and a and a, and a and an fu slider, man. That his breaking ball was dirt too. Like, yeah, it's a winning combination. Yeah, I mean, at worst he could be Felipe Vasquez. But all right, let me kick it off with a guy that I think has potential to be the number one prospect in baseball come twenty twenty one. Once Wander Franco has graduated. Jason Waddell, who saw this guy as much as anyone, who saw Sixto Sanchez as much as anyone, ranked him number one in the Philly system while Sixto was still in the system back at the end of 2018, and there's a reason for it. That is Louis. He started the hype train. I I just want to say I read that Waddell blurb, and uh, I got excited. He he killed it on that blurb for sure. Well, I I love Waddell because he'll he'll hit you up and be like, "Yo, um, you gotta you gotta trade for this guy in all your dynasty leagues." Like, all right, all right, dude. Uh, listen to him. Or you got any Albert Abreu shares? He's he's junk. Trade away Albert Abreu. Today was Alec Baum. Alec Baum. Look, he's like, watch. What do you think about his hands? What you, uh, that's why I love Jason because it's like it's like some Mr. Miyagi type shit when he when he engages you. <laughs> that's uh, good. He I gets in there. I, I saw him. Uh, he's Louis the games, Medina, man. He's, he's typing up people. now. Medina's he's the, the best. Guy who, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm he's the best play. Twitter. He's the best Twitter follow in the game. I'll say that hands down. I got more followers than him, but I shouldn't. Dude should have 20,000 followers. Just based on the – I like how you throw that in there. Like, I do have more followers than him, but, you know. (laughs) Because I think it's bullshit. He should have way more followers. I'm messing around. I'm messing around. Yeah, yeah, no, like, I don't care about followers. I really don't. And that's why I think it's insane because I'm like – I guess because of Razzball and I've been doing a a lot of content, he's only been around for like a year and a half. But he's going to destroy it this year. Like, he already is, but wait. Wait until until Florida State League starts. I mean, just wait. Anyway, are we so, talking about Woodall or Garcia now? Both of them. Both of them. Yeah. No, I think we'll see. I I actually don't think we'll. I think we'll see Garcia. I hope he he gets. Yeah, he's not going to hit high A. You never know. I don't think so. I think yeah. I think I think you're gonna you're gonna end up seeing him up in um, uh, what the hell is the the their freaking affiliate um in the the New York Penn League. It will come to me in a minute. It's who Bomb was playing for. Um. Anyway, so he's probably going to be short season ball would be my what I would imagine, and we'll probably see him in full season for a few weeks. You never know. You never know. I don't think the Phillies would be that aggressive, though. Um, but when you talk about short, compact swings, projectable power, good runner, good defensive ability, excellent plate coverage, um, excellent plate approach and pitch recognition skills, all in the package of a 17-year-old, and you look at what his numbers in the GCL. Now, granted, it's, it's year to year different competition, you know, you can't compare teams because half the GCL only plays their side of Florida and the other side of the GCL plays their side of Florida. So you can't really draw too many conclusions. But, I mean, this is a special guy. You know, there are not – I think the walks will go up. He's going to hit for more power. It's all going to come around. But, you know, you're talking about one of those sort of elite, young international prospects. Um and I'm not putting him like a, I'm not saying he's Vlad. I'm not saying he's Juan de Franco, but it's it's that sort of territory. It's that kind of a player that you want to get in on him now while he's cheap, because 
just like we saw with Wanda Franco, he went from being highly ranked in my top 100, being in my fantasy top 100 coming into the season, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's top 25 in a week and a half. In a week and a half, he went up like 70 spots on people's lists. So uh, I think there's potential for Louis Garcia to do the same. And I think 2019 is going to be the year of Louis Garcia, and uh, he's going to be a top 25 prospect easy next year. I mean, not much for me to add. Complete agreement with you on my uh, on that first podcast I did. I said if you're looking for that shooting star prospect, and we kind of all looking are all looking for that, it's him. And yeah, I was going to bring up uh, Waddell starting that hype train. Uh, well deserved, well deserved start. He said in it that by next off season, everyone will be talking about him like uh, he talked about him in that blur. But you know, he got the hype train rolling early. People are people are up on him now, which is good. Yeah. You want you want the best prospects getting that kind of hype. Absolutely, man. I totally agree. So, staying with the shortstops, another guy I've seen a few times. Uh, tell me. Tell me about your number five guy. I think you're talking about Cole Tucker, Damn. who is base impressing the hell out of scouts in uh, with his power, with his added power in spring training right now. I know Baseball America had a great article with uh, random scouts talking about who's been impressing and Tucker was one of the names, one of the, this anonymous scout. You know, you, sometimes these anonymous scout quotes, I feel like they could be flippant remarks that then end up getting written like uh, they get written in stone. But he's like, it's, it's at, he thought it was at least plus power. You know, I don't know if he's Eloy Jimenez all of a sudden. But the power is coming. Plus defender, strong arm, which matters for playing time, really does. Uh, he's a shortstop, obviously. You mentioned that before. Strong strikeout to walk ratios. He's got, you know, maybe not plus speed. I, I haven't timed him personally, but at least above average speed. He's 6'3", yeah, yeah. former first-round pick. He's going to continue to get stronger. I see a plus-power speed combo. I see a strong OPP uh, on base percentage. And average is not going to be a 300 hitter, but maybe like a 260, 270 hitter, 340, 340 on base percentage. You know, 18 to 22 homers, 18, you know, in that range. He could blow up this year, and uh, I, I flew him up in my updated uh, top 100. I had him about one – I think I had him about 150 in my original ranking, and now I have him in my top 100. Is he a riser for you too from what you're saying? Yeah, I think so, and I was definitely way off the, the Cole Tucker train. Um, I'm more in on him as a, as a real-life prospect. I think he's, you know, pretty much a top 100, borderline top 100 real-life prospect. I don't love him necessarily for fantasy, but I think he's one of these okay. guys that if he can make improvements – uh, with power at the point of contact, with his approach, with his base running acumen. I mean, he's another guy that can run really well. And the fact that he's one of the best defenders at any position in the minor leagues over the last few years, and it's consistent, makes a ton of plays, and he's getting raving reviews from, you know, everybody that was out in Arizona, you know, whether it was JP, whether it was Jason Woodell for a week, everybody liked Cole Tucker. And I think there's good reasons behind it. If he's adding that power, he's making – um, that adjustment, this is a guy that even if he only hit 12 to 13, 15 home runs, somewhere in that range, because he's not going to have a terrible batting average, he's going to walk a ton, he's going to score a lot of runs, uh, he's going to be in the lineup every day because of his defense. There's not going to be any questions there. There aren't any massive split issues. And he's going to, you know, he's going to steal some bases, maybe hit some homers, score some runs. Yeah, all right. You know, that's a guy that can be really valuable. And, like, at the end of the season, you kind of look at his stat line, and you're like, damn. That guy was a top 40 player or something, you know, it was a top 10. I mean, it's like Angleton Simmons, only a little bit, a little bit more power, right? I mean, 
Um, there's a lot of ways to find value, and especially with all the different formats that people are playing, like points leagues, sometimes guys like that hold even more value, and they're kind of sneaky because you can get them a little bit later in the draft because people are sort of drafting off of, uh, you know, roto rankings. We're very roto roto centric in the the ranking community, and uh, sometimes doesn't necessarily speak to the formats that folks are playing out there. Uh, well, anything is, else you want to add, Tucker? No, yeah, I, I mean, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm set on him. Who do you got next? Yeah, so my next guy is another shortstop. This is the shortstop section of the program. Uh, that is Geraldo Perdomo. Uh, I was going to roll my R's, but I didn't want to be too douchey. Sorry, sorry, Eddie. Um, no, hit me so, with a uh, rolled R now. Now you have to yeah. do it. Geraldo Perdomo. That's impressive. Bad. That's impressive. That's I good. like it. Um, we had him 129th on our fantasy list. And I think this is the guy that we feel we most underranked. We might have – he maybe he should have been a top 100 fantasy prospect. There is great approach here. Um I think it's average pop, maybe with above average potential. Um, but I think, you know, he's a good enough hitter, quality of contact, quality of approach. He runs pretty well. Uh, you know, he's a solid defender. He's just a good all-around offensive player. Um, that if the power ticks up a little bit, Perdomo is another guy that could potentially jump up lists in a big way. Um, so I would be all over Geraldo Perdomo. Try to get as many shares as you possibly can while it's cheap because another guy. Advanced approach, you know, good contact, some power. It's not like he's devoid of power. And a little bit of speed. He's a smart baseball player. Those are the guys I want to gamble on. I think we kind of have a, a theme here that it's either, you know, hit tool or it's athletes. Those are the guys that you go after. It's not a, a bunch of, you know, hulking first baseman anymore. The game has changed. Uh, anything you wanted to add on, on Perdomo? I don't know how high you were on him. I can't remember. I had him at 168, but I do like him. The thing that stands out to me when I watch him is his bat is quick as hell. I mean, he whips that thing yeah. around, and he is 6'2", so I, I wouldn't – who knows what his ultimate power potential could be. You know, he's so young, he could develop in any number of ways, but I love the swing. I love how he's got kind of vicious bat speed. I mean, he, he whips that thing in there. So I'm a fan as well and love the upside on him. Yeah, no, totally agree. Totally agree. All right, man, well, who is your number six? Number six is the guy who I believe his nickname is the Baby Giraffe, Parker Meadows. He's not the only <laughs> Baby Giraffe. Sean Manet is also the Baby Giraffe. I don't know. I guess maybe it's a popular nickname. But he does look like a Baby Giraffe out there. Uh, 6'3", 210, plus athlete. When, you're, yeah. when you watch a game, I mean, he's the guy that jumps out at you immediately. You don't have to be a scout to be like, who the hell is that? Uh, plus power-speed combo. I also liked that his brother. I, I like when you have that older brother. I had the older sister who, uh, you know, went through college and law school before me. I feel like it helps oh, yeah. when you could pass that information down when they just go through it. You get just different points. You get different things that I think it matters. So I, I like that, that his older brother just kind of went through everything. He doesn't have the hit tool that his older brother has. That's uh, It's going to be – he's a little more risky than Austin, but um, I'm buying the athlete again. I'm, I'm – not assuming, I'm hoping there is improvement in that hit tool where the, the power speed can shine in the majors. But that's the exact type of guy that I target and seems like a first-round talent to me. I guess the hit tool risk is what uh, kind of dropped him. What are you thinking on Parker? Yeah, I like Parker a lot. Uh, totally agree. And I think he has more power than his brother, and I think he might have yeah. more speed ultimately than his brother does. Better athlete, um, you think? Yeah, I think he's a better athlete. I think he's 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 flashier. Um I don't think the hit tool is as good as you said, but there's one thing I wanted to bring up, and, and I don't know if you've you know uh, sort of delved into miners graphs at all from from Smata over on the site, 
um, you know, one of the better tools that's out there, but he's a lot of fun to take a look at his spray charts. He actually had, when you uh, parsed it down to, I think like maybe like 40 batted ball events or something like that in the minors last year, he had like a top 25 uh, average um, uh, fly ball distance. And if you took a look at some of his homers, um, he has some absolute like monster homers here, man. You know, mm-hmm. actually I'll do a quick screen share with you. So you can see like he had, he had a homer that was 460 feet. Then he had another homer that was 469 feet, you know, and then he had some other here that were whatever, but those are, I mean, you consider he only played, you know, a handful of games. Those are some massive homers, you know, a kid hitting the ball multiple times, 460 plus feet is very, very rare. So, uh, yeah, I think baby, it's a great pick. I like, where that I baby like, giraffe comes in, it's where that power. Yeah, man, he might be more. He might be more like a a baby gorilla would thump like that, man. I don't know. That's a that's a strong that's a strong kid. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm definitely in on Parker Meadows. Plus, it reminds me of Parker Lewis can't lose the television show back from when my old ass was young. So uh, he makes me feel young. So there you go. Um, anything else on Meadows before we jump into Logan Gilbert, my number six guy? Nah, hit me with some Gilbert's uh, info. I love Gilbert. I know there were a lot of reports about his velocity at being like 97, 98 or whatever when he was up in the Cape. He was, you know, pitching in, in shorter stints. It was way different um, than when he was airing it out. It's another Stetson kid. Um, you know, ton of ton of ability. I love the mechanics. I like the pitch mix. Really like the fastball. Um, and he's got advanced pitch ability. You know, he didn't pitch last year. He, he threw a lot of innings with Stetson. Um, and I know that he had, oh. He had some sort of an issue. I, I want to say that he had like appendicitis or something illness. like that. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, – I forgot. I looked it up before. There's some kind of illness thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Know. So we had to deal with that. So they, they just shut him down. It sounds like he's... Oh, mono, mononucleosis it was. <laughs> wow. Talking um, about uh, he's uh, – you know, I think he, that's the kissing That's the kissing disease, they say. Yeah, man. He got mono from, from all those uh, professional chicks once he moved up from step <laughs> Maybe it was the Florida girls. Who knows? Um, no disrespect to any Florida ladies. We love you. Um, but no, I, I think this guy is one of the more advanced arms that came out of the draft. We just didn't see him. This was a good year for starting pitching. There were a lot of good starting pitchers that came out. And it's funny, guys like, you know, Brady Singer and, and Jackson Coar, these decorated college players, might go a little undershadowed, you know, by someone like Daniel Lynch, something I might talk about later. And even Gilbert, I think. Once Gilbert gets into it he's making his starts he's on a regular rotation and we actually get to see a full professional season from logan gilbert this is a guy that might be able to jump two three levels and be on the cusp of the major leagues very quickly it's all with kyle wright last year so i'm all in on logan gilbert uh and i think at this point you could probably get him for pretty cheap i don't i don't think he's a flashy name but i think that um he's one of the better arms in this draft and he goes very underrated yeah, I like the numbers he put up from right when he got into college too. The Atlantic Sun, it's not Atlantic Sun Conference, it's not exactly a powerhouse conference, but 2.74 ERA as a freshman, uh, sophomore and junior years, just the strikeout to walk rates blew up. ERA is under three both years. I like that. You know, it's, it's there is scouting, but stats is the other side where that helped me pick up uh, Joseph Joey Lucchesi in yeah. uh, late round draft in a 30 round pick where you go. All right, yeah, yeah, he was old, Joey was old and all that stuff, but sometimes when you're dominating like that, regardless of age or level, you're doing something right. So not a bad guy. I don't, I don't think you can go wrong 
uh, chasing stuff like that, those strikeout to walk rates. And that's a reason why Chris Paddock got underrated when he's putting up these yeah. insane strikeout to walk rates. Both of us were on it from the get-go. And it's like, hey, take notice of these guys. They're doing something right. So, yeah, I'm with you on Gilbert. I think the He key knows that, is- too. Yeah. He knows that. Chris and Michael Paddock, his brother, I know Lance wrote a wonderful article about their relationship. They're really, really close. And I talked to Michael before I did my uh, Chris Paddock article before the hype train got going. It's making me look smart right now. I actually sent Michael a message today, and I said, you know, just kill him, man. Kill them all. Go get him and don't let up, you know? Just <laughs> I'm uh, I'm happy for this kid. I think it's funny because he got a kick out of the fact that we had actually covered him uh, when he was still with the Marlins organization. Yeah. So uh, and we had called, we had actually said on record multiple times that the Marlins were stupid for making that Fernando Rodney trade. There you go. Maybe maybe we are smarter than some of these major league teams. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'll continue. Braylon Marquez, yeah. uh, lefty flamethrower. Again, just. You don't have to be a genius to be like six uh, six five two twenty five lefty throws in the mid nineties. It's it's the base skills are there and and he's uh I think he's only twenty so the the secondary pitches aren't quite uh they're they're raw I don't think either is above average maybe some they flash a little bit but it's possible he's all fastball right now but still twenty years twenty years old with that kind of build in a smart organization with the Cubs where you got to trust uh, that they know what they're doing with development. You don't go wrong taking these guys. I mean, I guess at worst he'd become uh, a reliever, but uh, someone with that velocity, the build, lefty, I love it. I love it. Uh, and, and you just hope that he does get that improvement, the, the breaking pitches, the secondary pitches become more crisp, and he learns. There's some blind faith that these guys are going to improve, but you want to start with the base skills and that upside, and Marquez is that guy for me. I'm loving him. Yeah, no, I totally agree there. Um, I haven't seen a ton of Marquez. I know that JP was impressed by sort of the raw abilities when he wrote about him, and, and he saw a lot of them out there in camp. Um, uh, but I know he's he's a little wild. Uh, you know, I think he's sort of like uh, the lefty version. Now, granted, they're very different body types and pitchers, but it's like Louis Medina. Like, uh, you know, watching that tape that Woodell had of Medina the other day, and he wrote a great article on the site about Medina and the control and the command that could be coming. Like, if it clicks for a guy like this and he's got, like, the spin already, he's got the nasty, he's got the deception, um, you know, the fluid delivery, he's got the easy velo. Um, once guys like that click, man, oh, God, watch out. Watch out the rest of the league because it is not going to be easy. Um, anything else you wanted to add on Marquez? I think you sort of uh, put nah, it together. Just, well. Yeah, no, but just going with you off your saying, that, that pitcher development is weird. These guys can have the skills until they're 27, and all of a sudden something clicks, and they're like, I'm an ace now. Pitching development is just uh, – the it's much crazier than hitting, in my opinion. Although you see hitting breakouts now kind of too in that same way, so maybe not. Maybe it's just in well, my head. You see a guy – well, I think you're right, man. You see, you see, and it's, it, it's based on organization. I mean, you see a guy like Tanner Myatt, who Jason Woodell's been all over since he came out of the draft. This kid was like – was he like a 15th round pick, 20th round pick? Something stupid. And he's probably going to be considered one of the better pitching prospects in the Yankees organization um, within four months. And, I mean, even their 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 pitching coordinator, he's out all over Twitter. You check him out. Um, um, the name, uh, Danny, what the hell is his name? Uh, it, it's escaping me right now. He was all over these guys early in the offseason, like tweeting out videos and talking about like Tanner Myatt and um, – Myatt's one of those guys that, like, uh, 
he's another guy that could absolutely break out and just and just be a stunner. And it's it's amazing that these good organizations, or maybe it isn't, these good organizations continually find these guys and uncover these jewels. You know, um, it's 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 tough to knock them. All right, so I wanted to uh, touch on one of my last guys here. Um, that would actually be Daniel Lynch. I'm gonna cut one or two of them because that way we can have an even number of players here. Um, I love Daniel Lynch of the, of the Royals. He's another guy that I was talking about. I think he's going to be the best player uh, the Royals drafted last year. And they drafted a ton, a ton of arms. Kolar, Singer, they grabbed Lynch. They grabbed Chris Bubeck, uh, another lefty. Not as not as interesting. Uh, they actually had a good draft just in general because they also got Kyle Isbell, who I think is a phenomenal player. Um, but the thing for me with Lynch is six six lefty, really fluid delivery. He was a UVA guy uh, that kind of clashed with the UVA coaching staff during his time there, disregarding, you know, sort of how they want him to pitch, more fastball heavy. The Royals got to hold this dude, and he just absolutely, like, pushed everywhere he went, man. I mean, the numbers are phenomenal. He, he threw 51 innings out of college, too, which is a ton. Uh, 158 ERA, that's supported by a 199 FIP, 10.69 K per nine, 1.40 Walk per nine. He got up to low A with a 230 batting average against. Sitting 94 to 96. Bumps it up to 97, 98 when he needs to. Um, he can throw high in the zone. He's got good downward plane as well. His slider is his best secondary. It's a plus slider. Uh, the curveball and the changeup are average to uh, above average. Um, he's got a legit four pitch mix. He's heavy on the ground ball tilt as well. Um, but like I said, he can pound that. He could pound the fastball in the upper quadrants and uh, get guys to chase and swing and miss. That paired with a fastball that you can you can locate low in the zone for weak contact, that makes him a very dangerous pitcher. Combine that with the fact that he's left-handed, deceives well, deep pitch mix, and he's got a big body. Sign me up for Daniel Lynch. I mean, yeah, you nailed it. It was kind of goes into what I was saying on some of these other guys. 6'6", 190, nasty mm-hmm. fit, the fastball ticked up, three secondary pitches. Not much not to like. The upside is uh, ace upside, or he's Josh Hader. You know what I mean? Something like that. Well, Hader. I'm still pissed that Hader's not an ace for my team right now. But maybe he'll get some save chances finally. So good, though. You know? <laughs> I'll, I'll take some save chances. And just as a baseball fan, I love watching him, even out of the pen. Guy's the man. Uh, my last my last guy, last but not least, because I like him a ton, Nick Niedert. I said he's kind of like a poor man's Chris Paddock. Paddock has the superior fastball. But plus change-up guy, plus control, plus command. Got excellent numbers throughout the minors. Insane strikeout-to-walk numbers. I think he'll be able to keep the strikeout rate up. I do. I don't think it's going to be someone, you know, where he drops off a cliff when he gets to the major leagues. And I think he has a chance of breaking with the majors this year. I know Miami has uh, five aces in their rotation now, if you believe spring training hype. They're all going to be (laughs) – they're all going to be aces. I, I, Pablo I actually, Lopez. Yeah, I do like those guys too, and I'm drafting them as well. So, so I kid, but uh, you do have to love the hype that now all of a sudden uh, they got a <laughs> they got a staff of aces. But yeah, I think Nieder has a chance of coming up, depending on how you know injuries. Obviously, these guys aren't established in Miami's rotation, so I don't know how many innings there you can expect them to throw if they've never thrown you know 200 innings in a season and stuff like that and uh yeah i love neater uh, the the mainstream list don't give the plus change up guys love we always have from the beginning when we started this podcast we've given respect to the guys with the plus change up and the developing curve rather than the opposite 
So I know you're going to like Nieder too. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I like Nieder a lot. And I think from a real life standpoint, he's going to be good. And, uh, you know, deeper leagues, leagues where you need uh, guys can give you ratios. I think you can uh, provide that. And uh, some spaces will open up in that that Marlins rotation. I have a feeling Sandy Alcantara is not long for the rotation. Uh, probably more of a bullpen arm. I would bet on that. And I would bet on Nieder probably taking that spot and uh, potentially pushing, being a lot better than we think he is. He could develop a lot more. Where did the uh... – I'm seeing pushing and shoving a lot in in a lot of uh, verbiage and tweets. I feel like that's a recent thing. Uh, I didn't see much of that like three, four years ago. Am I? Am I? I guess am I the only one who's uh, noticed? I don't know, man. I I used to hear it like my my high school coach used to say it. So he was. They were pushing and shoving back then. Push, I guess maybe yeah, it's a like, baseball. That kid shoves, shoves no, constantly. I think the scout lingo is more prevalent. Here I am. I'm a, I'm a I'm a prospect hipster with my beard. Saying things like shove and push, but I think it's like if you're at the field, man. People talk about that. That's how they talk. Like, I feel like it's more recent though. I'm seeing know. it, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not. I wasn't. I wasn't at Cape League games hanging out behind the backstop though, like five years ago. So I don't. I don't really have a whole lot of context. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But you said your high school coach said it. So yeah. it's been around, obviously. It's been around. It's been around. I don't think it's. I don't think it's anything new. I just think it's uh, more prevalent. I think you hear. You hear. You hear people talk about pitching in a different way than you used to. I think well, I think sure. that mentality has changed significantly in what people look for. Um, speaking of that, I'm going to go on to my last guy, my yeah. eighth guy. We hit 16 players, and it's not too bad, man. Um, that's Darwin Zon Hernandez. I've been standing on soapboxes everywhere I, I go at work. Just, hey, listen to me about Darwin Zon Hernandez. And there's a big reason for that, and that is spin. And he's got huge spin on multiple pitches. He actually had uh, one of the higher recorded curveballs in RPMs, 3143, 3,143 RPMs on his curveball. That was only behind Trent Thornton, who was actually announced uh, in the Blue Jays rotation. He's got a really, really crazy spin curveball. And uh, actually, Jordan Sheffield is the other guy that has a crazy spin curveball. He's not as good, though. Um, And Darwinzon actually also had the top spin rate fastball in all the Arizona Fall League. Uh, it was 2,800 was, was his consistent fastball spin. That is stupid. And that's especially when you're talking about him. a guy. Yeah, when you talk about a guy that throws 97, 98 with that kind of spin, um, I've said it for a while. I think this guy's going to be in the Red Sox bullpen, pitching min- meaningful innings, uh, as will uh, Durbin Feltman by the end of the season. And... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna probably see this guy take over potentially as a closer because the Red Sox won't be scared to make a guy like this the closer if he gets the job done. I think he is so nasty, so unhittable. We saw it all throughout the spring. You could even use him in a hater role for two innings. That nasty lefty, two good pitches, he doesn't have to develop a third, and he's got the body to give you a couple innings. I mean, I love I love Hernandez. No reason to try to bring this kid in, get him acclimated as a starter in the AL East when you have the rotation you have. Um Make him a make him a closer, man. Make him a closer. I want it to happen. Dan, are you listening? Do it. All right, <laughs> man. I was gonna bring up too. Basically, I think he might end up in the pen, which could be his best spot. And uh, I don't have. I mean, six two, two forty. He's a beast on the mound. Uh, not much for me to add, other than I agree. He could be a high strikeout reliever, or I guess maybe a twice through the order starter guy. You know, it depends on what Boston's looking to do and who else they have, what they need. But yeah, I'd say uh, well done. I think we hit. I think we hit a lot of guys. We do well. We did, man. As usual. 
It's how far is again, baby? <laughs> That's it. We're we're back for one time. For one time, we're not back for uh, forever. <laughs> We'll uh, check out, obviously, follow follow, uh, follow Halp on Twitter. Um, it is multiple Twitter handles. Imaginary. Yeah, at, uh, at, at Dynasty Halp. H-A-L-P. At Dynasty Halp now, that's right. Yeah, yeah, change that because I had at Imaginary Brick W, which was miserable, so I feel like that's a little better. Uh, at Michael C. Halpern, ImaginaryBrickWall.com. Check out my new podcast, Halp's Dynasty Baseball Podcast. Got one episode up there, and uh, that's a wrap. Nice. Nice to be back. It was it was cool. Yeah, man. I had fun. I had a lot of fun. All right, help. It feels good, baby. We out of here. <laughs>